there's real things in life that discourage us. There's real things that knock us back. There's real things where we step out and we try and do something we feel God's calling us to do. Or we try something new. Or we reach out to someone in your neighborhood. Or you step out or you pray for someone. Or you try something at work. Or you, um, you try some, a, a, a different way of relating to your kids. We try, try things and we get knocked back. That's part of life for each and every one of us. We face discouragements. You might be right now today have had a really discouraging week. But it's part of Part of life, we get things that knock us back, and we won't be the first, we won't be the last. And um, Jesus had that as much as anyone. And the reality is for all of us, whenever you try to do something new, whenever you step forward, the critics will, well, they'll be there. And um, Jesus gives us a little bit of a, a kind of strategy, really, for, for how we push through with discouragement, how we push through with criticism. Now, Jesus got a lot of criticism, and there was one bit of criticism we read in Mark 4. We're going to be in two different spots, in Mark 4.20 and in Mark 4.31. And um, so it says in, 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 chapter, in Mark 4, Mark 3, sorry, chapter 20. Got you worried, didn't I? When I say Mark 4. Mark 3, it says, Jesus went home. Again, such a loud crowd gathered that Jesus and his disciples had no time to eat. So there's good things happening. Jesus is teaching people, and, and they want to hear it, and he's healing people, and they, they want to see their lives restored. They're gathering around Jesus. That's happening. When his family heard about it, verse 21, they set out to take charge of him because people were saying he's gone mad. So there were people talking, saying, who is this Jesus person? He's going a bit too far. He's a bit crazy. He's... He's not someone to be around. And his own family, rather than cheering him on, getting behind him, saying, Jesus, you're doing an amazing job. We're right with you. They try and pull him out of the situation. They try and take charge of him. They try and stop him from what God's calling him to do. It's like the ultimate in discouragement from your your own family, the people that, that are for you and love you. Because family is supposed to cheer you on. And you may have had a great experience of family. You may have had a terrible experience of family. Um, mine was on, on, on the whole really positive. And um, my mum, she's part, part of this church. She's normally here. I, I remember one in particular. We, um, so I'd taken a gap year because um, I did that, did that after school. And I went, I went to South Africa. And I worked with a great church. I was a worship leader at the time. And a, bit, a bit like Tim. And, um, and so I went to work with someone like Tim at a church in South Africa to... Um, just like a six months, wouldn't that be a great thing to do? And so I went out there, it was great. And then at the end of my time there, the guy I was working with, he was British, came out to the UK, and I was invited to stick around and sort of take his job and, and, um, and run with the worship team. And um, it's funny, now I've got, I've got children, your, your perspective of parenting, it shifts a little bit. But um, I remember I told mum, um, actually, I think I'm, I'm going to stay here. I'm not going to come back, I'm not going to do university right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carry on playing guitar at this church in Cape Town because um, I feel that's what God's saying. And so when you look back, you think, you could imagine her wanting to do a, a Mary here, wanting to take charge of me, wanting to say, that's a nice idea, Joel, but get your degree, you know, take a few steps forward in life, and then we can talk about where you might want to go after that. But she didn't do that. She, actually, she came out to Cape Town to meet the people just to check that it, what we went, I wasn't part of a cult or something. And then... Um, and then she cheered me on. She said, this is fantastic. You go for it. Because that's what family's, family's supposed to do when it works well. That's the dream. But that wasn't Jesus' experience. That wasn't what he had. He had people. And to be fair, 
it wouldn't have necessarily been selfish motives. They probably had Jesus' best interest at heart. You know, Jesus, just slow down a bit. Stop with all this crazy talk. Stop with all this, all, all this stuff. Just settle down a little bit. Because you've got to remember that they were living in a very volatile time in a very volatile place. And God's people, that, that they were just one little group, one little region in the massive Roman Empire. And then... Um, the, the Romans, they had um, incredible discipline and order, and lots of that was done through fear. That if you stepped out of line, you'd be killed. That happened all the time. People were always getting killed in Roman times. And so like, their nervousness wasn't unfounded. It was probably out of genuine care and concern. But what they weren't doing was they weren't cheering him on into the purpose for his life. And part of it would have been their own fears, you know, if, if, it, if word gets out that our son's this, this crazy guy, then that's not going to reflect well on us. But rather than cheering him on, they try and pull him back. And then a little bit later, in verse 31, it says, Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. They stood, out, they stood outside the house. Turn to the person next to you say, outside the house. They stood outside the house and sent in a message asking for him. A crowd was sitting around Jesus and said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are here. And your sisters are outside, and they want you. And Jesus answered, who's my mother? Who are my brothers? He looked at the people sitting around and said, look, here are my, are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does what God wants him to do is my brother, my sister, my mother. Now, Jesus isn't saying that family isn't important. Jesus taught a lot about how family was important, about how we honor our parents. And, 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 and that's a theme for the New Testament. But um, what Jesus is speaking about is a radical new sense of identity among people who follow him. And actually what happens when we start following Jesus is we become family. We become brothers and sisters. And turn to the person next to you and give them a wink. You become brothers and sisters, mums and dads. We become family. There is a new identity around Jesus. When we become Christians, when we start following him, we're not just out on our own or with our own little nuclear family, as special as that is. We become part of a bigger family. And Jesus is saying, you know, your other family, as wonderful as they are, they might not always get this. They might not always get the call on your life. They might not always get the purpose on your life. They might not always get your new identity. But this family should. And what I want to talk about just a little bit for these 15 minutes is this idea that family fuels purpose. That family fuels purpose. And when I talk about family, I'm talking about this family, the church, the family that we all become, like it or not, when we start following Jesus. And then um, they talk about how you, you can put your friends, you can't. anyone who starts following Jesus, you're in now. We're part of one big family. But what family should do is fuel purpose. And it's really interesting that, that um, as I, I got you to say that to your neighbor, that, that Jesus' mother and his brothers, they stood outside. They didn't come in and hear Jesus teaching. They didn't come in and see, what, and, and, and see the evident call on Jesus' life. They didn't come in and cheer him on. They stood outside and said, you need to stop that. And Jesus says, well, we love those guys, but actually we've got a new family. And it's this family who should be fueling purpose in each other. That family fuels purpose. 
I'm really, I remember a conversation really well. So as, as I said, I was a worship leader as a teenager. I would do the singing in, 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 um, with a youth group and things. And I remember a conversation on, on our front door. And I was about 15. And um, Brad was a guy. He was, he was actually a youth leader, but he was also looking after the worship team for the church at the time. And we were on the way to a worship team practice. And um, there was a conversation between Brad and kind of my mum. And, and I was just kind of there. And Brad was saying to my mum that I think Joel is going to be really significant for for the worship life of this church. I think he's going to really take us forward in, in, in our singing, take us forward in our worship. And um, I remember there as a 15-year-old, I mean, this, the church was probably about twice the size of Patton, of Patton Church, about 300 people, and it was a church like Patton Church with a heart for worship. It was quite a big deal about what we did. We felt it was important. So to be told as a teenager by, by this, I suppose, kind of spiritual father, really, Joel's going to be really significant. I really believe he's got leadership that we need to call out of him. I believe we need to give him opportunities. That, that belief in me stirred something in me. In fact, actually, without Brad's enthusiasm and passion and faith in me and that fueling of purpose, I may not have done what I did, what, what, what I did as a teenager, leading worship in churches and things. I may not have gone to Cape Town. I may not have fallen in love with the church. I may not be doing what I do now. But actually... Someone cheering you on, someone calling out of you a purpose that you don't know you have, someone believing in you in a way that you didn't, didn't believe about yourself, it stirs something in you. That family fuels purpose. And that's the dream for the church. That we are a church, that's here in Patton Church, but the church across the world who cheer each other on. A church who fuel purpose in each other. A church who who spur one another, encourage each other, call things out of each other that we didn't know were there. That family fuels purpose. And that's the dream for church. That's the dream for us. And we talk about vision at Patton Church. We talk about inviting people into to serve Swindon. Inviting people into family to serve Swindon. And we can look at them individually, how we're doing at each one. But then, actually, if we're going to serve Swindon then we need to be this kind of family that cheer each other on, that say, oh, I see a call on you for this kind of thing. I think you're the most amazing, amazing encourager to, to release that in people. Oh, I think, I think your leadership that you carry is incredible to see someone step into that. It's that as we encourage each other, as we call this stuff out of each other, as we champion each other, that we're actually going to be the people we're called to be to make a difference in our town. That is all interlinked. That the better we are at being family, family who feel purpose, the better we're going to serve Swindon. And actually, the better we're going to be inviting people. Because who doesn't want to be part of a family where you're encouraged, where you're cheered on, where people believe in you? Because family fuels purpose. And the dream is that church is just the most exciting place. Where you come to church and you're like, I don't know who's going to encourage me today. Where Kath and I, we were at a church in America and, um, and Kath was queuing for the toilet. There was lots of people. It was a big conference. And while she was in the queue, this, this lady came up and said, I feel like I've got a prophetic word for you. And this is, this is just where people hear something from God for someone else. And she just began to say these things to Kath about what God thinks about her, about destiny on her life, about who she is. In the queue for the toilet. It was the most exciting toilet queue Kath had ever been in. But imagine that. 
And that's the dream. And we're going to be great at this. You're going to be awesome at this. We're going to nail this together. Being a family who fuel purpose. Being a family who cheer each other on. And it becomes this virtuous cycle as we call out destiny, as we call out gold, as we encourage people that um, they become more of the person they're called to be and then they encourage people better. And you've got this glorious, virtuous cycle of the church being the church, cheering each other on, calling out the gold that God's placed inside of each other and then making a difference. That's the dream. Family fueling purpose. That's the picture of the church. So I want to give you just, I suppose, two, two points of that about, nice idea, Joel, what can I do? How do we push into this? Um, and th- th- my two little ideas is around turning up your connection and championing people. So that in order for us to do this, we need to turn up our connection a little bit. Each one of us needs to take, and then um, that can be small ways and big ways, but we're going to be better at encouraging each other when we kind of know each other. And then um, in some ways, we're brilliantly set up for this. In some ways, we're harder than, than, than some other churches. So at the moment, we haven't got kind of connect groups, home groups running, and that does make it a little bit trickier because we're growing them slowly. We're trying to grow them in a way that they work for, for new Christians, so we're growing them out of alpha. So that is a, a little bit of a handicap, so we need to be a little bit more creative in this. And I've got, I've got three T's because I'm feeling generous. Three T's for how we can turn up, turn up our connection. The first one is turn up. Turn up. Come along to things. Come early. We have cafe every Sunday from 9.30. Turn up. And you meet a few people. Stick around a little bit. Every month we have a core cool gathering after church. Turn up to those. The more we're there, the more connected we are. That's a great idea. Thanks. Um, the second T. The second T is team. Join a team. So as I say, we haven't got connect groups. And notice when you arrived, there was, there was about eight glorious people wearing wearing. And welcome t-shirts, welcoming people. Well, if you're part of that team, well, you turn up at 8.30 and, and, and you, you put the chairs out to welcome people and we get the coffee going and we make everything nice together. And then we have a team prayer meeting at 9.15. It's all the worship team, the youth guys, the children guys, the hosting team. We're all there together praying for Sunday. You're meeting some people, serving together. And then you play a role in welcoming people. And suddenly you're a bit more connected. Suddenly you're a bit more part of things. Suddenly... You start to own this thing. And it's so exciting. We've got about 70 or 80 people who are, who are involved in, um, in, in our various teams across church, which is so exciting. But that means about half of us aren't in those teams. So there's an opportunity. Join a team. And we've got teams. We've got welcome team, the hosting team, youth team, children's team, worship team, the guys running the alpha. But that's a great way to turn up our connection, to join a team. Final, final T is um, to try. <laughs> Sounds a bit silly, but um, actually, this stuff doesn't happen, doesn't happen naturally, doesn't happen automatically. That each one of us, and that's me and every one of us, to make a, make a kind of commitment in ourselves, I'm going to try at this, because I think this is important. I'm going to try and turn up my connection. I'm going to try that. So um, when we arrive at church, and we see some people we don't know, we could... We could be the one who try. We could be the ones that say, hey, I'm not sure I've met you before. And they'll probably say, yeah, I've been at church here the entire five months since before we started. That's okay. We, um, we've, there's grace on that. But, but what if I was the one who tried that? 
Because the thing that happens in churches, right, across the country and the world, is we think there's this big club where everyone knows each other and we're not part of it. And we think, I'm on the outside, everyone else on the inside. And it's generally not true, but it's even less true here because we're only five months old. So there is no old guard at Patton Church because um, we haven't had time to establish one. And probably that person who you think, I wish I was as in Patton Church as they were, they're probably thinking the same thing about you. Because then we've only just started. But if we all try, every one of us, if we all do something to try to turn up the connection, then we could get somewhere, couldn't we? And this is even for the shy people. And I know like, it's, like, it's easy for these big extroverts like me. And I mean, it is an advantage sometimes. But actually, shy people are much better at greeting shy people. Because you know, when I turn up, it's like, hey, how you doing? Are you new to Swindon? How long have you been? Tell me what you do. It's a bit much for some people. Whereas um, introverts are the best people to greet introverts. Because you can just have a slower, more like comfortable conversation. That's great. So we're going to have a sort of, I don't know, uh, let's, we'll have a, like an awkwardness am- amnesty for the next few weeks. So... Um, It's okay if things are a bit awkward. We're having an awkwardness amnesty. So um, we're going to push into this together. Are we up for this? We're going to try this together. Because it requires each and every one of us to push in a little bit. To a funny story, I was on a a bus the other day. And um, it's one of my, my, like, I sometimes wonder if I really am British. Because it just feels strange to sit next to someone and not talk to them. That's just... I mean, and I, I would do it on the tube in London as well, and then it'd get even worse. But here, here in Swindon, I was, I was on the bus going back from the station a few weeks ago, and, and a girl came sat next to me. And so, and so I, I asked her if she's had a good day, and she, like, she held out for as long as she could, but she thought, actually, I mean, it's just me and him here. I'm going to have to answer this. To which she hit it with a one-syllable, fine. And then... Um, I said, so, are you on your way to work or are you coming from work? And um, similarly, a nice little pause. And she says to me, why do you want to know? <laughs> so I apologise for him because I'm British. That's about was British. Really sorry, didn't mean to upset you. Just saying hi. And um, when an opportunity came for a double seat to open in front, she, um, she jumped into that one. <laughs> I mean, she, she was travelling with a friend. They sat together. There was... But, um, it's, it's British, right? But it's not actually kingdom. It's not church. It's not heavenly. And sometimes we have to be countercultural. And this is one of those places. So that's a few ways we can turn up our connection. Say hi to someone. Invite them out for a run. Um, invite them out. If, I mean, there are some runners here. So, I tell you what, if you're a runner, stick your hand up for me. Stick your hand up if you're a runner. There you go. So runners, there's a dozen people you can invite for a run. There we go. Um, or for a coffee, or even for dinner. I mean, today we've got nine or ten little, little dinner parties happening, happening around Swindon. We have our lunch with a bunch, and for lots of reasons why, why this date might not have worked. But um, part of why we're doing that is to sort of encourage people to, to carry on with that. I mean, we've, we, we, in terms of the things that we do as an organized church together, the kind of top-down top things is, is we do Sundays and Wednesdays. 
And we're quite passionate about that because we want people to have space in their lives, to be engaged with Swindon, to be plugged in, to be serving in different ways, to be doing the things you're passionate about. We want to be in Swindon, not just in church. And so we're pushing into that Sundays and Wednesdays. But the rest of the time is free for you guys to do this sort of thing, for us to do this sort of thing. So we want to do more community, not less. We're going to turn up our connection. And if you're part of another church or, or, or you're visiting from elsewhere, how could you turn it up there? How could you turn up the connection? So that's one way we can, we, we can be a family who fuel purpose. And then the other one is, I suppose, a question for me and each of us, but it's, it's who are you championing? Who are you championing? Who are you cheering on? Who's the person in, on a Sunday who you seek out to see how they're doing, to see how that thing you talked about last week has shifted, and to cheer them on in that thing? That... Um, that maybe you've prayed for someone about, about something they're doing a few weeks ago. And then this, this week, a few weeks later, you're going to ask them, how's that going? Have you seen breakthrough? Have you seen change? Who are you championing? There have been so many people in my life and my story who've championed me. So when I was 15, my, my, my dad died. And then a number of people have been like mums and dads, parents to me, who've championed me along the way. And in your story, there'll be people like that. But what if we were in vision a lot here, and we talk about vision all the time, but um, I remember hearing about a church in America, and they had a vision. They wanted, in, in their city, in, in, their, yeah, in their city, they were looking to have more people on the foster parents' waiting list than the foster children's waiting list. Like they were going to push into this as a church. We believe God's in this. We're going to try and have more of us on the waiting list to be parents than, than foster children. What a beautiful vision. I love that. I love that in a, in, a, in, a, in a literal sense, but also in a spiritual sense. So what if at Patton Church, we would like that list of potential foster parents waiting for people to join the family, waiting for someone new to come on a Sunday, waiting for someone to come on Alpha, waiting for someone to join a family who needs a mum or a dad, who needs a brother or a sister. And when they came, we just loved them. We championed them. We got behind them. Imagine that. Imagine if we were like that, 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 that waiting list. And then, and then as people joined the family, we cheered them on. We got behind them. We, we, saw, we saw the leadership. We saw the stuff God's put inside of them. We saw the gifts, and we, and we reminded them of them each week. Imagine. And this is for everyone. You don't need to feel like some super Christian to do this. Every one of us can champion someone. Imagine that, how family could feel purpose in people's life. Imagine that, how we could go with this. If we turn up our connection and then we champion someone. If we turn up our connection and we champion someone. There was a, um, a, a new Christian who was excited about Jesus, but not so excited about church. And they, um, they, 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 they didn't really connect with people in the church. And so they, they stopped going. And they found that actually their, their love for Jesus was starting to go cold a bit. They were a bit less excited about the Bible. They are a little bit less excited about praying. They are a little bit less excited about following Jesus. And, he, and he went, this person went to speak to a sort of wiser friend and said, I'm sort of struggling to be as passionate as I was. And this friend had, had one of these old coal fires. And while the, while the young guy was talking about, about his struggles and his challenges and kind of going cold, he, he took a coal off his fire and put it about a foot and a half away. And as this guy was talking, the older guy didn't say a word, but they watched this coal go from being red hot to being black and cold. And then he flicked the coal back in, and within moments it was red hot again. And we want to be a red hot church, don't we? 
We want, to be, we want to be a church who's running after Jesus. We want to be a church who's um, living this out in our homes, in our families, in our schools, in our places of work, in Swindon. We want to be a church who's burning with all that God's put inside each one of us. But what we see is that it's family that fuels purpose. Imagine if we did this. Imagine if we realized that we were family, that these people around us are our brothers and sisters. And imagine if we turned up our connection, as awkward as that that might be to start with, we took some risks, and each one of us got behind someone to champion them, to encourage them, to cheer them on, to stand with them. Imagine the sense of safety, the sense of confidence that people would walk in Imagine how people would be stepping into their calling for their lives, here, there, and everywhere. God's vision for church is a beautiful one. But it's one where family fuels purpose.